0: More than uh, a quick "God bless you," it's a—it's uh, it's as if we could say, uh, "Praise God from whom all blessings flow." Amen. Amen. Have you not just uh, engaged uh, in, a, in a major way in this day of worship? Um, I have. I have been blessed indeed. Uh, these songs have—I uh, I know i have to get alive. Here. I could speak really loud, oh, but that probably wouldn't be so smart. Is that better? And then I don't have no. to. <laughs> Are we good? Are we good? I just want to echo the, the sentiment of these, of these songs that we have been singing that, the, that uh, this is a worshipful occasion. As, as every Sunday morning must be, as every time we come into recognition... In the presence of the Lord, with whom we are always in His presence, uh, that that uh, there's a great holiness that occurs, and so very much appreciate the scriptures that were chosen by uh, Debbie and Freddie. As they, uh, uh, Debbie, you chose uh, this from Romans chapter 12 to offer our lives, living sacrifices. That's what, what else is there? You know, when we talk about worship, what other? Proper way is there to worship than to give him everything that he's worth, his worship. And that's all of us. That's in everything. What a very appropriate thought. And in response to that, it's like the Lord is saying, Great, I want you to know that every step along the way I'm with you. So be strong and courageous. No, be strong and courageous. No, I say be strong and very courageous. From the word of the Lord to Joshua and all who seek to lead in the kingdom of God. Very effective scriptures. In fact, I was playing with the idea of, uh, of sharing from both of those scriptures uh, today, but I've chosen something else. Before I do that, I want to, to say, on behalf of myself and my wife, and uh, Dr. Leverett and his wife, and uh, Andrea uh, and, and her husband, uh, who are part of the team at the ABA office, uh, and on behalf of all, of the churches of the Alberta Baptist Association, we join together with uh, Thornhill Baptist Church in commending Freddie and Debbie to this important calling, this holy calling of being servant leaders in the kingdom of God. Uh, a daughter and son of the church, this church, are being commended to be leaders in the church. And that is an important and extremely exciting, sobering, powerful decision on behalf of this congregation. God bless you as you've made that recommendation, that commendation, that response really from the Lord's directive uh, to affirm that publicly. God bless you. God bless you as a church on behalf of the association. And I I bring you one more personal greeting. I've just been at Camp Caroline at their uh, Campership Aid Weekend, and they're still very much engaged in that even as we speak. So I have a special note uh, that I have been asked to read. Dear Freddie and Debbie, know, even though Diane and I are not with you in person today, you are loved, and we believe in you both. God has called you Answered you answered his call in your lives. Freddie, pursue God with an ever greater passion than you have for hockey and for golf. <laughs> you have an amazing support in Debbie and there are many of us that will be there as well to walk with you and to encourage you in all that lies ahead. Hudson Taylor said, I could count on God to supply what I need to accomplish the work that he's given me to do. After 30 plus years of ministry, I know this to be very true. So keep pressing into God and he will give you the strength and wisdom you need each day. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. We believe in you and bless you as you follow God's call in your life. Love Jim and Diane Crozer. Word from from people who have invested and have followed and will continue to invest and follow what God is doing in your lives. Exciting times these are. Let's pray together. Jesus Lord, Master and Savior, creator of all, the one who deserves all of our adoration and attention, the one to whom all glory belongs. We seek in these moments, in this day, to be extremely attentive to everything you are saying and all that you want to do as we launch forward together as, as the church in ministry, in, in, in strength of support behind this couple who you have called. And you are moving forward into servant leadership. Bless them, we pray. And open our hearts and minds now, we pray, that you would speak to us through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are probably few stories from the scriptures that we know as well as the account of God calling the boy Samuel. There are, of course, many other individuals in scriptures who were dramatically called by God. Moses, before the burning bush. Isaiah, in the temple, in the year that King Uzziah died. Jeremiah, in similar circumstances, not long after the death of Ashurbanipal, the emperor of Assyria. Ezekiel. Longing for home beside the bank of a river in a strange land. Paul on the road to Damascus. Of all of these, however, the call of Samuel seems to stand out in our attention, perhaps because Samuel's young age gives this call the quality of fresh snowfall, which is a little sensitive for me from Edmonton, but a a fresh snowfall, pure, innocent, perhaps because many of us first heard this account as children in a, in a Sunday school class, making it easy for us to identify with. However, I would add that the Hebrew writer probably understood the boy, Samuel, not to be a tender elementary school-aged child, but an adolescent of, of some maturity, 15 perhaps, 17 years of age. In any case... God's call on Samuel is important because it outlines for us something of what happens when God calls. When we approach 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're introduced to a microcosm of humankind. We're reminded that the nation of Israel was at that time caught in a spiritual desert. It was unaware of God's sovereign presence, and it was in need of God's transforming power. The sad condition is capsulated in the statement found in 1 Samuel 3 verse 1 where we read these words. The word of the Lord was rare in those days and visions were infrequent. In the scriptures and indeed all throughout history the word of the Lord signals that the supernatural is touching the natural. The word of the Lord signals that God is actively and creatively present. That something special is going on. Whereas the absence or the relative absence of the word of the Lord spells out just the opposite. Discouragement and confusion and dryness in life and in relationships. And we live today. In what may be described as a spiritually yeasty environment, there's a preponderance of spiritual activity. It emerges in all shapes and sizes of religious and para-religious activity. And it's contributing to a kind of a spiritual superstore that people can go and shop for, pick out what they want and leave what they don't want. In so many ways, in our day, spirituality has become integral to what we know as pop culture. But this is creating an almost insatiable thirst for true spirituality, for truth in the midst of all of this montage of what is spiritual. And it is inevitably pointing to, in our day, what we can only describe as a spiritual drought, a drought which is being magnified all around the world in a whole host of tragic events that are unfolding around us. The spiritual emptiness which we discover in the early verses and chapters of 1 Samuel becomes a reflection of our own day, folks, and a recurring commentary of the human journey. Yet there is hope. We read in 1 Samuel 3, 2, and 3 that it happened at that time when the word of the Lord seemed to be far away, when visions were rare. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place, maybe lying down on the job, part of the problem. His eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. Verse 3, that the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. Did you hear that? The lamp of the Lord God had not yet gone out. Faith was getting cold, hearts were growing hard, darkness was enveloping holiness. The word of the Lord seemed rare, visions from the Lord were infrequent, but God was there. The lamp of God, which signified the very presence of God, had not become extinguished. And God was very much present and very much in control. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and it shines to this day. We must never factor out our Lord. In spite of the circumstances. Because even when darkness veils, God prevails. Because God is sovereign. He initiates, He directs, He completes. And in His sovereignty, God also relates as He chooses to connect His purposes with His people. That's why the scriptures say that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro, back and forth throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose hearts the hearts we were singing about, whose hearts are completely his. And when God finds such a heart, someone who is surrendered to him, someone who is ready to go, God opens up his own heart and he begins to speak, just like he did with Samuel. When we return to 1 Samuel 3 and we meet the boy Samuel, we discover something of what it is like to hear from the Lord. We read in First Samuel 3, 3 to 4, that the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and the Lord called. Samuel. According to 1 Samuel 3, when God calls, he calls personally. God did not send out a general request. He did not advertise in the local scroll. He did not use some angelic email. He approached this one particular young man and called him by name, Samuel. Each time God called Samuel, he did so directly and deliberately. Now, there were occasions in the biblical history where God spoke to a wider audience, like in Daniel chapter 5, with the original handwriting on the wall, when God spoke judgment upon the Chaldean king Belshazzar, or as in Matthew chapter 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, when the Father spoke of Jesus loudly, saying, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. But usually, whenever God spoke, he addressed individuals personally, like he spoke to Abraham and to Moses and to David and to Elijah and to Daniel. Just as Jesus did when he walked the dusty trails of Palestine relating to people directly and personally because people matter to God for who they are. So you can be confident that you will never be a number to him. When God calls you, he will address you by name and he will tailor make his word, his message and his challenge to fit you and your circumstance, and your capacities, and your personality. According to God's word in 1 Samuel 3, when God calls, he calls personally, and then he calls persistently. Four times God spoke to Samuel. We read that with unfaltering resolve. Verse 4, the Lord called Samuel. Verse 6, and the Lord called yet again Samuel. And verse 8, and the Lord called Samuel, yet again, for the third time, in verse 10, Then the Lord came and stood and spoke, saying, Samuel, Samuel! God wasn't put off by Samuel's confusion or uncertainty regarding his identity, regarding God's voice. God kept engaging Samuel as long as Samuel kept responding, even though responding somewhat inappropriately. God was persistent. So when God calls today, we should be confident in his persistence that he does not easily give up on us. That's encouraging to me. I hope it is to you. He continues to relate to us for as long as he has hope that we're receptive. Again, he knows the intentions of our hearts. He knows those who want to seek his face, who long for him, who want to hear from him. He knows. He knows. Freddie, Debbie, he knows. According to 1 Samuel 3, when God calls, he calls personally. He calls persistently, and he calls purposefully. God was not just greeting Samuel, checking up on Samuel. God had a reason to speak, a plan to be realized, and a task to be accomplished. Once the Lord finally got through to Samuel, notice how very specific God was in the purpose he had for Samuel, in the message he had for Samuel to convey. It says in verse 11 that the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end, for I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Judgment's coming, in other words. The task that God had for Samuel to accomplish was a difficult one for sure. Perhaps the most difficult thing that Samuel would ever have to do, certainly one of the most painful. And we may be tempted in this to think that God was maybe just testing Samuel's obedience or level of faithfulness, but while God's word certainly did force Samuel to mature quickly, it's clear that God was not just engaging Samuel in a faith lesson, God's word to Samuel was intended to do nothing less than elevate righteousness before an entire nation. Nothing less than to demonstrate God's transforming presence, even in judgment. Nothing less than to change things, literally change the course of history. Because God's word to Samuel is the same creative word spoken before the beginning of time, which produced light in darkness, making that which never was to be there, initiating life, as in Genesis 1 and 2. And God's word to Samuel is the same powerful word which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, which pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, which is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And God's word to Samuel is the same living word, which was with God and was God and became flesh and dwelt among us and was full of grace and full of truth. And God's word to Samuel is the same eternal word, which will stand immutable even when heaven and earth will pass away so we can be confident that God's word to Samuel is certainly the same relevant and powerful word today as it has ever been for whoever has ears to hear. So, of course, as we are purposed this day to commission you, Pastor Freddie, to the incredible high calling of providing sermon leadership within the context of the church, specifically this congregation, but the church overall, within the sobering and wonderful reality of the supernatural body of Christ, we would say to you, from the example of God's living word, to above all else, stay attentive to our Lord Jesus, above all. All else. Like Pastor Ken said, the best stuff we do is when no one else is looking, no one else notices. As we are drawing near to the heart of God, expect to hear His slightest whispers, knowing that He wants to be relating to you all of the journey of your ministry, But even as I say that to Freddie and Debbie, I say that to all of us, to quickly apply this to us all, that as our Lord has redeemed all of us, He is calling all of us to listen expectantly. According to 1 Samuel 3, when God calls, He calls personally, and persistently, and purposefully. That's why, according to 1 Samuel 3, when God calls, we must be ready. Notice again how 1 Samuel 3 describes Samuel. In verse 1 we read, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. When the trend of Israel was not to take the things of God seriously, and while growing up under the ungodly influence of Eli's own sons, it seems almost unbelievable that an adolescent was ministering to the Lord, actively serving the Lord. It leaves us wondering why. How could Samuel be so different? I believe that we're given an important clue in Samuel 3, verse 3, where we discover a very curious thing about Samuel. It says The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The ark of God represented the very presence of God. For Samuel to be lying in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was tells us something of Samuel's desire to be close to the Lord. This suggests that Samuel, even as a young man, sought to draw near to God and also explains his faithful practice of serving the Lord as he had opportunity. And of course, again, the question begs, what influenced Samuel's desire for the Lord? Perhaps the degenerative environment which he lived pushed him wisely the other way. Perhaps the opportunity to grow and do ministry filled him with a growing passion for the things of God. Certainly the commitment and prayers and example of godly, even though distant, parents had an impact that goes beyond measure. Parents, take note. Whatever it is, there can be no doubt that when God spoke Samuel was ready. The question is, are you? Am I? Are we ready? Are you ready, Freddie? That's a thought I never had would sound before. But in Hamlet, Shakespeare alerts us to the imperative of readiness, saying readiness is everything. Readiness is all. To hear the voice of the Lord, you and I must be in the ready position, willingly serving Him in every way we can, earnestly seeking, longing for a deeper relationship with the Lord, consistently drawing near to God with the assurance that He is already near to us. According to 1 Samuel 3, when God calls, we must be ready and we must be receptive. There are three simple words which come from the lips of Samuel which tell us a lot about his character— These are the words. Here I am. Four times in this chapter, in verses 4 and 5 and 6 and 8, prior to knowing even who was calling him, we discover Samuel very available, very receptive to a call, saying at first to Eli, Here I am, for you called me. And when Eli finally realized that it was the Lord that was calling Samuel, he told Samuel how to respond. And in verse 10, we hear a very receptive young man, without any hesitation, utter some simple but profound words of commitment, saying to the Lord, Speak, for your servant is listening. That's a sermon in itself. But if we could capture the full essence of this word listening, we would actually be hearing Samuel saying something like this. Speak, for your servant is hearing intelligently. Speak, for your servant is hearing attentively. Lord, speak, for your servant is hearing discerningly, but probably most succinctly, Lord, speak, for your servant is prepared to obey. True receptivity invariably aspires to respond. For you, for me, to be truly receptive to the voice of the Lord means being open to hear and willing to do whatever he asks. Not just being hearers of the word, of course, but the doers that we've been reminded in Scripture, prior to knowing all the details, what without any provisional withdraw clause, simply because God was asking, Samuel said, Speak, I'm ready to do what you want. According to 1 Samuel 3, when God calls, we must be ready, we must be receptive, and then we must be responsible. In a distant land, centuries and centuries, even millennia ago, sometime between the falling of night and the dawning of day, one young man encountered the living God, received a message of judgment for a friend, and then undoubtedly wrestled with the matter of his own integrity. As morning broke, what would he do? Would he speak the truth or evade the issue? Would he tell Eli just about what he wanted to hear? Or would he tell Eli what the voice of God actually said? Samuel's inner struggle was very apparent as we read the unfolding drama in the uh, morning after in verse 15. Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Who wouldn't be? Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel said, Here I am. And Eli said, What's the word that he spoke to you? You know, Eli had heard before. Eli understood how God speaks. Please don't hide it from me. May God do to you, or more so also, if you hide anything from me of the words that God spoke to you. So Samuel told Eli everything and held nothing from him. Ouch. Eli said, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And so Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. How do you manage the call of God? Managing the call of God always comes down to that. It comes down to integrity. It comes down to carrying out the word of the Lord, of practically responding to his will. It comes down to doing whatever we've heard him asking us to do. It comes down to being responsible when God speaks. Pastor Freddie and Debbie, brothers and sisters of Thornhill, please know that as it was in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and as it was in the days of Samuel, so it is today that God is calling. God is speaking into the hearts and minds of men and women, young men and women, older men and women, his world over, about his love, about his salvation, about his service, about his heart. God is calling you and me personally Persistently, purposefully, so as to affirm his presence, to clarify his purpose, and facilitate his power, his life transforming power within history among his human creation. But we must be ready. We must be receptive. And we must be responsible. We must be listening for when God calls. Ready, Debbie, brothers and sisters? Because when God calls, things happen. Let's pray. Jesus, we are about in these moments to echo once again our affirmation that we, your people, want to be responsive to your call. And we celebrate in these moments the surrender of life and purpose and calling at your altar as we are about to move into these holy moments of commitment. We pray, Lord, you would move in all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I would like to invite Pastor Freddie and Debbie to come and and stand right here beside me and we are going to, as a whole congregation and really as, as the body of Christ, hear their commitment and have them hear ours, okay? So I would invite you to just come up, yeah, a little bit closer, so thank you. And I'd invite the congregation to stand, please. We have come together today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the head of the church, to induct Pastor Freddie, along with his wife, Debbie, into the ministry of this church and this congregation. Pastor Freddie, it is our belief that the calling into full-time ministry is both of God and of the church. Do you believe that you are truly called to this particular ministry to seek to fulfill the purpose of God among the people of Thornhill Baptist Church and into the surrounding community of Calgary? If so, please answer, I do. I do. Congregation. Do you believe that Pastor Freddie is the man whom God has brought into this place and time to be a pastor among you, a leader for your various ministries for which you have called him to fulfill? And if so, please respond by saying, we do. Pastor Freddie, having been called as a minister of Jesus Christ and having accepted the invitation of Thornhill Baptist Church, do you solemnly pledge that you will serve this church and congregation to the best of your ability and with the enablement of God if saying, I do? I do. At this time, I would like to remind you that like our Lord, you have come not to be served, but to serve, and to keep yourself at all times in true devotion to your calling. Will you seek to practice daily the faith that you now profess, administer yourself to purity, proclaiming the truth in love and endeavoring at all times to accomplish the mission of this church? If so, say, I will, God being my guide. I will, God being my God. Amen. Congregation, as you have formally called Pastor Freddie along with his wife and honored his acceptance of your invitation to come and minister among you, do you solemnly pledge to uphold him, them, and his whole family in prayer, affirming his leadership with support and cooperation, and joining hands together with him in faithful fulfillment of ministry and mission. If so, please respond by saying, we do. do. Praise be to God. Amen? Amen. Now we will pray. And I would invite Pastor Freddie and Debbie to stand right here in the middle and invite the elders to come and lay on hands. And Pastor Ken, please uh, do so as well. in these holy moments you have the opportunity to join in this prayer and I invite you to do so even symbolically as you reach forward your hands, as the elders lay hands on your behalf, but as we all reach in support of this calling, let's pray together now. Dear Lord Jesus, we Praise you for all that you have done to bring Pastor Freddie and his wife Debbie to this place of surrender and commitment. We praise you for all of those who have been involved in in pouring into their lives in so many different ways, their families, their friends, those who mentored them and are mentoring them. Those who have come around them within the church, we thank you for your provision in their lives, and we celebrate your transformation of their lives from being lost to being men and women of God. We celebrate the gifts you have invested in them, for the passion that is evident in their hearts for you. We celebrate the calling that we now affirm as your people. And we intercede on behalf of Freddie and Debbie. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name and in the power of your blood that you would bind up the forces of the enemy, and push them far away from this couple. And you would keep them forever free in service of you. We intercede on their behalf, asking you to provide them with joy in the midst of ministry, strength, wherever it is necessary, in a supernatural capacity. We ask that you will give them constant clarity of perspective that comes directly from you. We pray that you would keep their hearts soft to you, open to your heart, and responsive to all that you ask of them. And we, your people, commend them to the ministry of the gospel, which you have entrusted to all of us, We commend them to the ministry of servant leadership in the church, the body, that we would be finding them used by you, Lord, to strengthen, equipping the saints for works of service, exampling love and passion of you, and laying down life for you at the altar of sacrifice. And we join with the whole body of Christ, again, to ask you to make sure, Lord, that the calling that you've entrusted to them will come to fulfillment, and that as a result, this church will thrive, and your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, and that this world will be transformed one soul at a time. All of this we pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seen.